Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Oldham Business Podcast. My name is David Bazanis. I have a great episode for you today. I interview Molly Ricketts from Incipio Workforce Solutions. Molly is an entrepreneur. She's a CEO. She is also going to be our featured speaker at the Celebration of Women Luncheon on March 24th at City Place in beautiful downtown LaGrange. We're excited to be back in the swing of post-COVID event world. So thanks to PNC for sponsoring Celebration. Also at Celebration of Women, we will be honoring Donna Sabo from Hometown Pizza with the Tony Cotton Woman of Distinction Award. So excited to be able to shine a light on the work that Donna has done for this community. So it's a great conversation with Molly. Thanks for tuning in. Let's start the show. Hi, folks. Excited about our episode. I don't have a ton of announcements. Um, if you're interested in the Celebration of Women uh, tickets, go to OldhamCountyChamber.com. Uh, it's a great luncheon. It will sell out. Uh, we have a, about 200-plus every year. Um, this is a great conversation with Molly. It's a brief conversation, but I think it's a, a really good teaser for um, for her speech uh, or her talk that she'll give at Celebration. So um, excited about that. Um, look for the Chamber Weekly Update in your email. If you don't get that, reach out to us here at the Chamber uh, and let us know you want to be on that email list. It lets you know what events are coming up, and we have a lot of free events for our members. Um, if you're not a member, you need to join. Uh, we'd love to have you. We have a lot of new faces in this business community. Um, we're trying to coordinate some fun, casual events in the spring and summer, um, and so be on the lookout for those things. Um, and without further ado, I'll get the podcast kicked off with Molly Ricketts. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Molly Ricketts from Incipio. She's also going to be our keynote speaker at the 2022 Celebration of Women. Molly, welcome to our chamber office. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you here. Was excited to have you on the podcast. Looking forward to promoting uh, you as our speaker for Celebration of Women, but also thought this could be a good podcast because your background in workforce development is something that I think, obviously, a lot of employers are really struggling with right now. You've yes. got um, I would say probably every level of industry in a hiring crisis of some kind where it comes to trying to find, you know, not just competent, but talented, um, just talent to come every in and, and work. So tell me a little bit about Incipio, your business. Sure. And we were just having a conversation before we started recording here. Um, I really want to kind of delve into all of the various aspects you were you were informing me on the differences between recruitment and HR, <laughs> um, which was really great. Um, but workforce solutions are something that it's a pretty broad topic, so I want to get into a lot of those things. And then also, you're from an entrepreneurial family, mm -hmm. and you are an entrepreneur, so Ariel, I definitely want to yes. talk about those <laughs> things as well. And then probably maybe there's some kind of linkage in between the two um, lives lives that you have lived uh, with that that where we can find some overlap. Okay. Um, great. Well, so tell me about Incipio. Tell me about your business. Tell me about what you do. Great. So Incipio Workforce Solutions, we partner with organizations for specific objectives such as recruitment for top talent, attracting top talent, managing the process within recruiting, um, you know, the old adage, um, hire slow, fire fast. While that may still be the case to ensure that you're finding the right talent for a position that you have open, how do you do that? And especially today when you have individuals that are applying for nearly 10 to 15 jobs at one time, right. um, then it's a race. So how can you really hire slower? So 
working with organizations from a strategic standpoint to help them understand how recruiting is strategic Mm -hmm. and helping them see the value and really understanding the role that they need to fill Mm -hmm. um, sometimes is not the same job description that they had even two years ago. Sure. Yeah. And then all the way up through to um, the assimilation of the individuals that they're hiring. Now, what type of client are you normal? Like, what's a standard client? Like, you're talking about somebody who's looking to hire... Um, 150 people or three key people or anything it, specific? It depends on the client. Um, depends on the organization. We have uh, clients with agreements as small as five people mm-hmm. in a year up through to 400 people a year. Okay. Um, one of the key specifics that we pride ourselves on at Incipio is we don't have overlap of industry within a 60-mile radius of each other. For example, if we're working with an organization in the long-term care facility, we're not going to work with the like industry within 60 miles of each other mm-hmm. because then you're just fighting over the same candidates. Right. Um, and, and everyone wants their organization to win, and there are different stories. Um, take your bank, for example. You may go to the bank that's on First Street, mm-hmm. and when you walk in, you have this feel, this um, acknowledgement of the individuals that are in there, that they welcome you by name. But then you go to the bank that's down on... I don't know, a different street. Mm -hmm. It's the same bank, same company, same mission, same values, but they don't know your name. Uh, While the transaction of what it is that you're doing at that bank is the same, it feels different. Sure. So how do you work through that and understanding this candidate may be a good fit for store A and this candidate may be a good fit for store B. But understanding the culture and the environment that those individuals could be walking into is the part of the strategy that a lot of organizations miss when they're thinking through how we're going to hire top talent. Okay. Tell me about, okay, that's a lot to unpack here. Sorry. That's all right. (laughs) No, that's good. Well, um, I'm going to come back to that. Tell me about what you're seeing as far as talent. Uh, Has there been a change in talent (laughs) post-COVID? I'm going to have to be very guarded in this um, comment and think <laughs> through my words. No, I'm kidding. Um, you give me a soapbox to stand on and I'm standing on it. Um, when you think about positions that are open, and this is from entry level to C-suite, there's a lot on the candidate side when companies talk about this great resignation, right? Well, why did that individual leave? Have, have we thought about that? I understand that it was something that they just kind of threw their hands up in the air and they said, I'm out. Well, what are they doing? How are they empowered to do that? And why did they feel the need to make that life transformation at that exact moment? Well, think about the last two years, last 18 months. What have you done that's been so drastically different? When you think about your individual life and then how people can just basically throw their hands up and say, I'm done, I'm switching industries altogether. Right. What are the different things that happen in that play to make that happen? So the talent that you're looking for in a different position from entry level all the way to senior, what is it that you're looking for? When you think about, I need these 10 positions filled, is it really 10 or is it seven? But you're so used to overhiring to compensate for the turnover problem that you have. Should you really just look for those top six and make it work and put the time and dedication and and revenue dollars into making them a committed individual to your team and the ultimate success of the organization? 
it is a challenge to find talent. Um, talent is um, definitely the way people are going about applying jobs is definitely different as well. Um, whereas before, if you had a job posted for 15, 16 bucks an hour, you had an influx of candidates and you were able to cipher through 100 candidates to get to the 10 you needed. Mm -hmm. Now you're lucky to get 10 for the 20 openings that you have. But have you ever stepped back to think about why? Those individuals that were part of this great resignation, where are they now? What are they doing? Many people say that they've started their own business or they're now consultants. Okay, great. So the company that they left, maybe they need to hire them as a consultant to come uh -huh. in and tell them what was wrong. Right. You just have to think about it differently. Sure. Because as with everything that's changed, so is this game. Right. Do you anticipate that the change is going to, I mean, certainly there's going to continue to be change. There'll always be change. But do you think, so for example, for a lot of people that have, Fallen out of the workforce, for example, um, meaning they were listed as unemployed and now they've stopped looking for work. So I think technically they count as not in the workforce, yes. right? <laughs> uh, which I sit there and wonder how is how do people make that work, mm -hmm. right? If if you go from I'm not making enough money to I'm just not going to work, then there has to be some sort of revenue coming from somewhere. And so certainly there are programs and things that, especially through COVID, that were Mm -hmm. Maybe they were temporary. Maybe they're not temporary. Everything from that earned income tax credit to right. unemployment extensions and things like that. Is that a tenable thing? Or do you expect that those people will at some point have to go, I guess I'm going to have to go find a job and then try to reenter the workforce? Or like what happens? I think it's a multitude of things. Um, we ourselves are, have noticed in, um, and we recruit for all industries. It's not one specific, right? So, if we have a group of individuals from an entry-level position, we actually have less qualified candidates applying for those roles than we do the more experienced positions, mm -hmm. so mid-level manager and up, let's say. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that we're finding is many of the individuals that are applying, that are applying for those mid-level manager and up, they're not even from that industry. So it's like they're switching gears altogether. Right. And then for those entry-level positions, it's almost like a bidding war. Right. Who's going to give me the most? So then it becomes, it's more than just your hourly rate. You have to share your whole compensation package. Mm -hmm. So then it's beyond that first day of employment to the 30 days of for that second or third job that they applied for is now reaching back out to them saying, hey, knocking on their door, I can give you 50 more cents on the hour. Well, if you're educating your new team members to help them understand the total package of compensation, mm -hmm. that 50 cents that that company down the street is offering could actually be $2 less on the hour because this new company is paying for you and your family for their benefits. Sure. So it's all about educating the difference between the two. I'm sorry, to your original question of how all of this is happening and what they're doing. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a, it's a mind shift. And if employers don't don't start that same mind shift, then it's going to be a complete war continuing. Mm -hmm. So individuals that um, maybe were able to take advantage of the assistance that was given out over the past of the last eighteen months or so, life changes had to happen. Even if it was, um, let's take um, a couple that's together and they have two kids. Um, 
I don't know what most people's situations are. Our kids are grown, so I can only imagine what NTI is like. Mm. Um, and I have so much sympathy for that because I'm not a person of a lot of patience. Sure. Um, that we would have had to have made the change, yeah. my husband and I. There, yeah. There's no way that we could maintain and live a life with everything that happened outside of the control of the companies that they worked with. Now, some really cool things that companies have done to accommodate those needs. In some situations, it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. um, I have a friend in the medical field, and um, she's just done. She's exhausted. Yeah. The lack of respect, the lack of, of empathy. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. This is someone that's been in the medical field for 20 years. She's out. Wow. It's, they're big changes. Huge. Well, um. Sorry, I feel like I'm dragging you no, all no, the board. No, no. Well, <laughs> no, I think it's great. Uh, like, there, there's just such a broad, um, there's so many things that this really touches on. Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that I don't want to, uh, let time get away from us, um, so I'll ask it and then we'll, we'll just keep wandering around here because okay. it's good. Um, you also have an entrepreneur entrepreneurial background. Yes. Um, you have had other businesses. You started this business. Yes. You came from a business based out of Louisville, a family business. Yes. That was a flower shop. Yes. Tell me about growing up in a flower. Did you grow up in a flower shop? I did. Is it that kind of thing? Yes. So my mom was there, my uncle and my grandparents. That was the core of the business. I mean, of course, they had others, but that was the main part of the family. Let's just say, um, if I may, today is Valentine's Day, and we're recording this episode, right? <laughs> right. I would not be here. <laughs> um, regardless of what job I had, it was an expectation that all family members were a part of Valentine's Day at the flower shop, <laughs> whether that be helping fill vases with water or delivering the flowers or answering the phone. Um, Which did you like to do the most and hate to do the most? <laughs> I would say delivering the flowers was probably the most fun. That was the best. Yeah. Um, Valentine's Day made it a little bit hectic, um, but um, it was always a good time just to be that person and, and give that person that smile. Even though it wasn't from you, technically, now, you were still able to have People in, in the shop, was this only family, or did you also have other employees that worked with you? So there were a few other employees um, that helped out, um, but during the holidays like this, there it was... It, any family and friends you were expected to be there. Did you say you had siblings? Uh, were they part of the business? I do have a younger brother, and he was expected to be there as well. Okay. Yeah. So how was working with family? It was horrible. <laughs> 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 I say with a smile. And and why is it horrible? Um, you know, when you get... Talk about bad HR. Yeah, right? <laughs> they didn't have HR. Oh, right. Um, that wasn't the deal there. Um, no. With family, it was it was fun, but it was it was also so stressful. Sure. Um, and you can have side conversations with your your mom and uncle in, in situations that you wouldn't normally have in a work setting. Right. Right? Um, it just, it, here's something. When people always say, you know, we have a family atmosphere, and, and as Molly, the owner of Incipio Workforce Solutions, I'm like, <clears throat> I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't really want to be treated as your sister or right. aunt. Um, but um, but I, I get what they're saying, too, sure. just the engagement and culture of it. But, um, yeah, so it um, you helped out, and, and everybody pulled together to make success happen, and, and that looked different every year. Okay. Well, I'm going somewhere with this. So okay. um, 
We have a lot of family businesses in Oldham County. I came from a family business as well, which is why I'm not working in the family business anymore. <laughs> um, which they're they they're doing great, and it's a it's on its third generation. So I'm I'm very fond of uh, the things that I learned there, um, and it's really great to see some of those things translate into other businesses out here. Sure. Uh, and then hearing about your background, but one thing that I know about entrepreneurs, having been one myself and come from a similar background, is also we're hard to tell. Uh, <laughs> we're hard to tell people things, you know, I mean, yeah. we know it all, right? Yeah. Um, there's a little bit of confidence you have to carry. I would imagine like if you're a surgeon, you've got to have a pretty inflated ego because you can cut somebody open, work on them, put them back together, and then they're going to be fine, right? So you, you've got to be confident. You can't be a doubtful surgeon, right? Yes. Well, a lot of entrepreneurs, I think when it comes to, especially if you've left a job to mm-hmm. start your own job, to mm-hmm. hang your own shingle out there. And mm-hmm. literally you, you got to kill it and drag it home if you're going to eat. Right. Mm-hmm. When you get into that mentality, it's a little harder sometimes to advise some entrepreneurs. A lot of times I recognize they pair off into groups and then they'll commiserate. Mm-hmm. And then that's kind of how they'll talk. But um, in a lot of scenarios where you had, you could see maybe a company um, of some significant size might hire a consultant group to come in and, you know, work on, any type of process. Typically, that's not going to happen at, when you get to some of those smaller businesses that are more personality-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, you know, uh, what do you call it? Elbow grease-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And those types of things. So, which, you can have a very successful business, but it also can plateau. Um, and it can be harder to kind of hit those next levels. Have you, do you have any stories or insight into working with Incipio with maybe some of those types of entrepreneurs to where maybe the disconnect in the hiring was more happening at the top of the company based on way the way things used to be <laughs> that aren't that way anymore maybe? Does that, does that make sense? I, th- I think so. I mean, you have um, somebody who's successful or maybe even semi-successful. They need, they're having hiring problems or recruit. they want to recruit specific types, but they know it all. So mm-hmm. as you're in the process of trying to understand hey, I need you to really think through what this job description you're hiring for is. Mm-hmm. And like w- th- those questions that you were saying before, you need to understand, you know, what's the culture you're, that you have here? What Do you need 10 or do you need 7? I mean, I think once some types of personalities answer that question, that's the answer to the question regardless of <laughs> if it really is. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So how do you work with that? Tell me about the impact of that. Um, thoughts about it coming out of the entrepreneurial background. Are you guilty of it? Let me start with the first question, I think. <clears throat> I don't want to miss them because they're all good. Um, the first question, working with um, individuals that are entrepreneurs themselves and helping them grow their organization. Um, ultimately, you have to get them out of their own way. And how do I do that? Well, one of my um, greatest, I'm going to say strengths, but some may say weaknesses, so we can debate that later, Um <laughs> I'll go into a meeting with a business owner, a key decision maker, and say there, there are a few things that I have to have on the table from jump. Um, one is truth and transparency. If, if we don't have that, I can't help you. Mm-hmm. Because we're going to be opening closet doors that have skeletons that you don't even know exist anymore. And we're going to have to talk about them. Especially when it comes to things like your employee handbook. And then you get the face of... I don't have one. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, but those are all things that you work through. Right. So understanding that there's a level of mutual respect 
And I appreciate everything that you've done from the point in today and previous to get the business where it is today. But you've reached out to me, to my partners, to my team, to help you get to that next level. And the only way that I can help you do that is if we lay all the cards out on the table. Now, it feels good in that time, but then when things start coming up and you're saying, you know, I I appreciate that you don't want to change the job description because this is what it is. But this job description was written 10 years ago. Right. This isn't the same job. You may think it is, but when was the last time that you, as the business owner, did that job? Right. 10 years ago, it doesn't look the same. Being open to that, you can go about it two ways. Sometimes as the business owner, you need to put someone in between you and the individuals that are actually doing the work to be successful. Admitting that mm-hmm. is, is a big challenge sometimes, but the ones that do it, transformational. Wow. So that, that was, I think, your first yeah, question. Yeah, that's good. The second question, um, working with families mm-hmm. and, and those businesses where Aunt Debbie is doing this and, and not all of us want her there, but, but she's in there. Right. And she's staying, so figure out a workaround. Yeah. yeah. I, it, do you want this workaround to cost? What is this work workaround worth to the growth of your business? You have to be able to answer that question. Right. So if, if Aunt Debbie's worth to that decision being a workaround is a million bucks, who's going to keep track of that mm-hmm. to get to that point to be able to make a decision Aunt Debbie needs to go somewhere else? Could be somewhere else in the company or it could be somewhere else not. Right. But in order to grow your business the way that you want it to, why you started it in the first place, is it worth that workaround? Mm-hmm. And those aren't fun conversations. Right. I tell uh, people that we work with today, and, and we're not the same company that we were seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And if I get to where I want to be, I'm not going to be the right person at some point to run this company. But you have to be okay with that. Right. But then lastly, to answer your question, you have to have committed, trusted partners. Three people that you have to have, first off, a great attorney <laughs> that, that you trust and, and never doubt your contracts mm-hmm. and that relationship. Number two, CPA. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't like them necessarily, you like the way they run their business mm-hmm. and you trust that they're going to help you do that because it's money, right? Right. It, it's what keeps you going. So what is it about that CPA that can help? Mm-hmm. Lastly, a bookkeeper. They're the day-to-day. They're the ones that are helping you. Um, when you send out those invoices and, and you think, oh, well, I sent a bill. So just like at, in my home, my household um, bills, they need to be paid within 30 days. <clears throat> First mistake of opening a business that doesn't happen. <laughs> Go ahead and write that down. Um, (laughs) But making sure you have those three key players Mm -hmm. and pulling those three key players together at least once or twice a year to have a, even if it's a 15-minute conversation. This is what I'm thinking this year. This is where I'm heading. Is this right? Right. Um, So outside of that, you need at least two other trusted advisors. Um, One that's going to put you in your place Mm -hmm. and not afraid to have those real conversations with you when you yourself have are being unrealistic, mm-hmm. um, and then someone to help guide you 
into the business that you've never been before. I like that. That's great. Did I answer your question? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. So let me back up to hard to fill jobs. Yep. Um, of which I guess there are a lot. What? It, uh, all right. Some jobs suck, right? Yeah. <laughs> Some people don't want to do the jobs because it's a sucky job. Yeah. And it, it doesn't require a ton of skill necessarily. Um, so the wage as a, a natural product is, is lower. Now, obviously, the more competition there is, the more that wage will change. Mm-hmm. But how, uh, how can you overcome some of that, those things when you, when you get into an atmosphere like this where we're dealing with, um, you know, a lot of, like uh, restaurants, for example, very small businesses in a lot of ways, very volatile businesses can be, you know, there's feast and famine a lot of times. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have we been in the last week? I think I just went to lunch. I was almost a little bit late just because it feels like everything was moving real slow so, mm-hmm. because probably understaffed. Sure. Um, and I know that, the, and I'm not talking about just specifically to what your business, who you cater to, but just in philosophically amongst the other um, uh, recruiter types, um, what can a business do where they're dealing with, hey, I've got a, it's a hard job. And there's a lot of jobs open that aren't this hard that might pay around the same or, or more. Are you just kind of out of luck? Or are there, is there a strategy you can use to try to get um, better people sure. um, or, or just people in general mm-hmm. uh, for that matter? One of the greatest things that I've seen over the last um, 18 months to two years is people are changing their story. Um, so this job, A, may be something that is not fun. Um but it's something that's going to help me in a skill that I want to learn. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm going after it. Job B may be something that, you know what, quite frankly, I clock in at 8 a.m. and I clock out at 5 p.m. and that's all the brain power that I need to do this job. And right now with where I am in this season of life, that's what I need to have. But let's say both jobs aren't really fantastic, right? What is it about the company? What story can you tell? to get that different person so that they have a buy-in to the role. I think we can all agree with the time that's been spent um, over the last two years. We've all looked and reevaluated how we spend our time. Um, I know for me personally, I am a people person. I love meeting new people. That's how I gain energy. That's how I get smarter. Mm-hmm. It's from others. But I would go, on average... Um, I would have at least one networking event Monday through Thursday night, notoriously. Sometimes, I remember one time I have four networking events in one night. And I went to each one of them, but I only spent 15 to 20 minutes at each location. There's no value in that. But I was there. Right. I showed up. Right. (laughs) But understanding where you need to put your path, the passion and reward that you get from that is going to be so much greater than not. Sure. That's great. Even if they're the same. Yeah. Not so fun jobs. <laughs> you made me think of, um, what's the guy that does the show, um, Dirty Jobs? Oh, Mike Rowe. There you go. That's his name. <laughs> yeah. Made that's me think right. of that. That's right. Yeah. yeah well, uh, yeah. His appeal to the honor of the work that's being done and the big picture mm-hmm. of what it uh, produces yeah. For uh, society, I think is a really good yeah. take on that. So, so kind of, a, you can kind of inspire people into a bigger picture sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Attract them in that way. Yeah. Um, 
Okay. Well, so I've got to I've got to be mindful of our time here because uh, you've got a hard stop. So I want to talk celebration of women's coming up here in March. Yes. You're our keynote speaker. No pressure. Um, can you give <laughs> us a little sense of some of the things you plan on talking about? Um, I thought about taking it two ways because um, my mindset overlaps both. And for people like me, that's going to be a better conversation for everyone else listening. <laughs> One are just some tips and tricks for talent attraction and strategy behind recruiting for themselves. Um, even if it's something as simple as what I consider hiring for your right arm. And what does that mean? And what are some things that you need to keep in mind from a confidentiality standpoint? You know, how do you do that better for you? And then two, starting a business, uh, running a business, um, as a woman-owned business, because it's a different game. Yeah, you know, I never, um, never expected it to be that because yeah. I wasn't raised that way. Um, but when you get in it, it's 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 kind of like, oh, this is what that is. Sure, you know, that's what I would say. I'm less sensitive to that. I had been less sensitive to that sentiment. Um, probably just out of bullheaded pushback until <laughs> I worked for my predecessor, um, uh, Dina Kiram, who is uh, awesome, by the way. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very grateful. Uh, she brought me along in a lot of ways. But uh, and one of the w- things that I've learned working with her was she was great at including me on important uh, meetings and decisions and those mm-hmm. types of things. And. I w- it was it was working with her where I, I recognized mm-hmm. moments where things were dismissed a little bit quicker, uh-huh. and then going from working uh, as her um, uh, assistant director to being the director here, um, you know, and things were different. They were they were different. Now I would also say there was a lot of things that were different. There, yeah. were, there were probably some <laughs> things that I didn't have the benefit of not being female, but there, it certainly is. Um, it was it was very eye opening, almost immediately when I started working here, mm-hmm. and so that was a good uh, experience for me. Um, also, I, I work with an office full of ladies who are tremendous professionals, um, and it probably made me a little bit more aware, uh, although maybe not as mu- <laughs> maybe not as much as it should be. Um, but but it was something that that experience uh, was was something that before that I didn't experience enough mm-hmm. um, in person to think that it was as prevalent of a, of a situation for a lot of people. Um, and so th- that has been something that where I'm, my antenna is pretty up on it mm-hmm. uh, the, in a way it hadn't been before. So um, congratulations. That's good. Well, <laughs> yeah. Aren't I great? <laughs> no, if I, I know. Reach it's your shoulder, I would pat well, you there is the a, there, I think there's an element of, and part of what this conversation gets, it's so easy to get condescending one side to another side. I say sides. I mean, we're there are sides. We're there are males and females in the workforce, um, but you know, men have to men experience a lot also. Oh, um, yeah. And sometimes you know, so those those uh, dynamics can be quite. Um, they can be a lot, but it is something that I think for a lot of men who are aggressive to other men. Aggressive might be the wrong word. Assertive. Um, assertive. Uh, it's. I, I can definitely. My experience in in witnessing things would just be it's it seems to be harder for for a, a lot of women professionals to be assertive without being misconstrued uh-huh. as Is something other than assertive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I think um, when men are assertive, we think the same things about each other. We just don't mind saying <laughs> the names. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, tell me a little bit about um, tell me about with 
with um, the work that you've done, how, I mean, do, do those types of dynamics, I mean, I guess they do have to work into the hiring process or those part of, like when you're working with a new client, you have to kind of assess what type of employer am I really working with here? There's mm-hmm. probably the general questions and there's got to be kind of a backroom assessment with you and your team to say, you know, I think we've got these types of issues here that are going to be deeper than, you know, somebody knowing what type of procedure to implement, right? Sure. So, I mean, do you guys, does your team as you, uh, how do you work with that? I mean, do you have, what kind of specialties do you need in addition to just knowledge about, um, I guess, workforce development? So, I would say that this last um, six to eight months has been a true eye-opener for us in the unbendable. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is to say, like I said earlier, um, you're having that first initial conversation with the potential client partner, and you're talking about how the things are going to have to drive change and transformation to get where you want to be. Because we've all agreed that the way that you're doing it isn't working. Well, we're not going to do it the same way. So that means change. Mm -hmm. We're all okay with what that word means. Yes. Fast forward two or three months later, and there's so many roadblocks that have continued to be part of the obstacles that we face that we are not going to be successful. So then you have to go have that conversation. Listen, remember when we all agreed, Mm -hmm. and I've learned that I make everyone sign it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) taking that document back in and saying, do you remember when we all agreed on these things? But, 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 but. Totally hear you. I appreciate where you're coming from, but clearly this is not a partnership that's going to be able to continue. Yeah. That is not a fun conversation. Right. Um, as an, an entrepreneur that has been on the beans and cornbread diet because I couldn't, you know, th- there was so much that I couldn't do. Sure. Um, and sacrifices that we had to make to be successful. No one likes to turn that away. Right. But you also understand and have to come to the point where you know you're not going to be able to make the impact that you need to make for either one of you to be successful. Right. Um, so I think to answer your question, understanding the value that you have and you can bring and helping those individuals see we don't claim to be experts in everything. Mm-hmm. Now, I have, I have partners that are experts in HR, for example. Mm-hmm. Don't ever trust me to write your handbook. Right. We'll all go to jail. Right. Um, <laughs> but I have a trusted partner that I would absolutely – Sure. This is who we need to partner with in this project. Um, when it comes to strategy from a workforce development, I think I rock at it. But there are little pieces of it that I have partners that are going to be able to execute what is put in play. Right. So acknowledging and, and being able to recommend the experts in those pieces of which you need to attract that top talent to be the culture and environment that you want to be, you have to know when to bend. You have to know when to get out of the way. And you have to know how to appreciate the story has changed. Mm-hmm. Because are you running your business the same exact way you were when it launched? I guarantee you you're not. Yeah, that's great. Well, Molly Ricketts with Incipio Workforce Solutions, keynote speaker of <laughs> Celebration of Women 2022. Thanks for spending some time with us. We're looking forward to hearing you at the luncheon. And uh, for those of you who would like information, if you'd like to reach out uh, or uh, get to know Molly, uh, just contact us here at the chamber office and we'll coordinate it. Awesome. That was a fast 30 minutes. Uh, 33, 39. (laughs) Right on it. All right. Thanks.